Hey, Cape Christian, good morning. So good to see you guys. For those that don't know, my name is Jonah, and 20 years ago, I got to meet Randy Macho Man Savage. Somebody started just going here for the first time. Hang on, it's going to get weirder. Okay, anyway, here's the deal. Uh, about uh, 20 years ago, I got to meet my favorite WWF wrestler of all time, Randy Macho Man Savage. But I will not just say Randy Macho Man, because you have to say it. Randy Macho Man Savage. That's the proper way to say it, okay? Because every great wrestler has a catchphrase, okay? So I'm going to teach you Randy Macho Man's catchphrase. It was, oh, yeah. Let's practice that. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. That's right. When you get your barbecue, that's what you say today. That right there. <laughs> Other great wrestlers that I looked up to was Hulk Hogan. He was pretty awesome. He's like, let me tell you something, brother. But my favorite catchphrase, the nature boy, Ric Flair. How many of know what I'm talking about? That's right. Let's practice that one. One, two, three. Say that one when you get your food. All right. The deal is I got to meet him. And I, I remember he sat in such an interesting place in my life because as a kid, I thought you could summon Randy Macho Man Savage simply by biting into beef jerky. I thought he was like the Kool-Aid man. He'd just break through your door. All this was based on this commercial that I saw when I was a kid. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, this will kind of give you an idea who Randy Macho Man Savage is. Check this commercial out. Watch this. Happening dance, huh? Wanna pick up the tempo? Yeah! Step into a slip gym! <laughs> Tear to the spice! That baby juicy taste! Dad's Mr. Savage. How about the funky chicken? Oh, is that a wall? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you excitement. Step into a Slim Jim. That man is passionate. He's passionate about meat. That's true. I got to meet him about 18, 19 years ago in the Tampa International Airport. Now, I had to get up at 2 a.m., leave from here, catch a 6 a.m. flight, and I'm, as far as I'm convinced, nothing good happens that early in the morning. Okay, so I got up super early. I headed all the way to my gate. I'm just wiping the crust out of my eyes. Now, the guy that was traveling with me at the time, he was the exact opposite me. I am not a morning person. He was a total morning person. So much so that he was just, anything that he saw was incredible and, and amazing. He was super loud. We call those people sinners, okay? <laughs> Here's the deal, though. We're sitting at the gate. He starts nudging me really hard like this. He's like, yo! Check it out. I'm like, leave me alone. He's like, check it out. You know, look over there. I'm like, what? I don't see. He goes, he goes it's, it's Macho Camacho. <laughs> now, my Boricuas know what I'm talking about here. Hector Macho Camacho is a Puerto Rican boxer. He's about 150 pounds. Okay, great boxer, huge legacy. I'm looking over there, and I don't see Hector Macho Camacho coming. I see a very angry Randy Macho Man Savage, who has been called Hector Macho Camacho for the last five minutes. He's getting closer. He's getting closer. He comes over to my friend right there at gate C6, picks him up by the legs, holds him over his head, and starts spinning him around, going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Drops him, looks him dead in the eyes, and goes, snap into a Slim Jim, and walks off. Okay, half of that story is made up. Here's what actually happened. Just sounds better that way. All right, anyway. What really happened was we were sitting there, and, and, and Randy Macho Man Savage was coming. He was calling him Macho Camacho. So I'm embracing for something bad to happen, but I'll tell you what. He either was just as asleep as we are, or he really just did not care. He slid his glasses down, and he went, oh, yeah, and he walked off. 
Either way. The point being is me meeting my favorite wrestler was a big deal. Me meeting these guys was just a huge deal to me because wrestlers were like superheroes, right? They were like larger than life guys. These were the guys that we imitated. These are the ones that had incredible backstories and these amazing narratives. And you would just be sucked into that story. That's why when I read the Bible and I read about a story about a guy by the name of Jacob, I connect with that story too because it's all about a wrestling match. Now, if we're going to talk about this guy, Jacob, let me at least set the stage because this is the verse we're going to camp in today. It's Genesis 32, verse 24. It says this. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So if this Bible story is a WWF wrestling match, here's Jacob's backstory. First of all, Jacob was a twin. He was a twin with another guy by the name of Esau. Now, he was not an identical twin. He was a fraternal twin. But the Bible actually says that Esau was red and he was hairy. And it said that Jacob was smooth. Now, if you keep reading about the story of Jacob and Esau, here's what you'll find out. You'll find out that one, Esau was a hunter. He was a man's man. If he was here today, he probably lived somewhere out in North Fort Myers. <laughs> I don't mean that as a shot. I just mean like, you know, if Esau was around and he lived in Southwest Florida, he got a little pickup truck, he's got a shotgun rack in the back, and he don't just hunt gators, he just pops them on the head and drags them off by the tail. <laughs> man's man, okay? Jacob, on the other hand, well, he was kind of a mama's boy. The Bible says that he was loved by his mom and, and he really didn't like to go out. Now, in Jewish culture, you have to understand that the firstborn in Jewish culture is the favored son. He gets to inherit almost everything. And in this case, his dad had millions. Now, can you imagine being born as a twin and you miss out on millions just by seconds? Jacob was the younger by a couple seconds. But it really wasn't just about that. Because Esau was that hunter type, that man's man type, he would go out and hunt for his dad, and he would catch game for his dad. His dad's name was Isaac. And so he was poised to get the blessing. So much so that he was not only just the favored son in the sense that he would get it all, Jacob could never have his father's affection. Now, as a boy or as a man, as you grow up, you want your dad's approval. You want your dad's affection. You want your dad to be there. And can you imagine spending your whole life knowing that, one, you'll never inherit the millions, but, two, that your brother was the favored one? It's kind of damaging. But the final thing you have to understand about the backstory of Jacob is that when he was born, it said that he was holding onto his brother's heel, and so they named him Jacob, the heel grabber. Now, that's just kind of a weird term. You know, be like, hey, what's up, my heel grabber? How you doing? Good to see you. It's not really something you would say to somebody. But in that context of that culture, this is the idea. Imagine two people running. You're behind. You come up with an idea to get into first place. So you reach down. You grab the heel of the person in front of you. You trip them up, and you take their place. That is actually what Jacob's name means. It means somebody that usurps the power of another one to get ahead. So if we study and we learn about Jacob, we actually kind of find out he's kind of a scam artist. He's kind of a conniver, kind of a deceiver. There's this one time where it says in the Bible that Jacob's making some soup. He was a homebody. He knew how to cook at least. He, Esau comes in. He's starving to death. He's like, give me some of the soup. He's like, you're not getting none of this. He said, well, I'll do anything. Let me have some of that soup. He goes, give me your inheritance. Esau gives up his inheritance to Jacob. Jacob essentially cons it out of him. And the Bible says from that day forward, Jacob was despised by his brother. Now, this kind of con artist, 
kind of vibe, this idea of make it, fake it till you make it or do whatever it takes to get ahead. I'll be honest with you, I kind of connect with this because before I came to Christ, I kind of did some of that stuff. Now, for those that don't know, I do Christian hip-hop. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. I go by the name of KJ52. But before I knew Jesus, before I had ever experienced his grace and his love, I remember sitting in my ninth grade class, sitting with my best friend in Spanish class, and for no particular reason, I just kind of looked over one day. I said, like, hey, man. He's like, what? I said, we should start a rap group. He goes, but we've never written a rap. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> he goes, we don't have any recording equipment. Who cares? He goes, we don't even know how to rap. Who cares? I go, your name's Greg. I go, let's call ourselves the G-Force Posse. That's the most 80s thing I've ever said on this stage right now. And so he went by <laughs> MC Pigs. I was DJ Bones. That was our rap group. Now, keep in mind, this is 1989. Vanilla Ice had set us back a few years, white people. White rappers in 1989 were not really in the most great light. And so when we started to tell our friends in ninth grade, hey, we got a rap group. We're called the G-Force Posse. You should check us out. They're like, yeah, I got no rap group. You don't have nothing. But this is what I came up with the idea. His friend worked at the music store at our mall. Mall is life in 1980s. Okay, especially if you're a 14-year-old boy. He told his friend, hey, would you mind putting a slot in the CD case that says the G-Force Posse? So that whenever anybody looks up our CD, it looks like it's always sold out. <laughs> so inevitably, our friends test us. You ain't got no album. You don't have written nothing. Of course we do. We're huge. No, you're not. Go to Specs. Okay, fine. These guys are blowing up. They can't keep their CDs in stock. Inevitably, our fake reputation begins to start up. It starts to get bigger and bigger. So now our friends are coming to us and going, hey, man, I heard you got a rap group, the G-Force Posse. He's like, yeah. He goes, I want to be in it. I'm like, cool, $5. <laughs> we started charging our friends to be in a non-existent rap group in 1989. We ate very well that year. Oh, yeah, snack time. Now, you're probably like, this is an incredible story. There's no way this happened. You already lined about the Randy Savage thing. You're making this up. Okay, here's visual proof right here. This is the G-Force Posse membership card that you would receive for $5. <laughs> this holder of this card is entitled to all G-Force Posse benefits and special offerings. I have no idea what those are. <laughs> but if you'd like to join, it's $5. You can meet me in the lobby. Anyway, here's the deal. This is the character of Jacob. In some ways, it was my character too. Let's go right now to the WrestleMania event. Let's go right now to where the story starts. Let's go right now and let's set the stage because this is actually what had happened. 20 years into the future, Jacob departs from his family. He leaves with nothing. He works for his uncle. While he's working for his uncle, he starts to actually do very well. He starts to accumulate flocks and goats and herds and all this stuff. He starts to accumulate servants. He gets married. He has two wives. He starts to have kids. And then he gets word that his brother's coming. And the Bible says that Esau was on his way to meet his brother. Now keep in mind, the last time he saw his brother, he said, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. His brother is on his way 30 years into the future, 30 years coming with 400 armed men. There's nothing like family that, about holding a grudge, amen? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you should have seen my Thanksgiving. Anyway, we'll move on. The point being is this, Jacob, for the first time in his life, knows that it's going down tomorrow. He's going to meet his brother. All he has is some goats, some servants, and some kids, 
and a couple wives. His brother's got 400 armed men. He's in a bad, bad spot. This is where we pick up the story. The Bible says that he sent all his possessions over the river. He knew the next day he'd have to come face to face with his brother. And this is where the wrestling match begins. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can wrestle things out with you. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us right where we're at. Thank you, God, that you teach us what it means to trust you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Genesis 32, verse 24 says this. So Jacob was left all alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. The text right there says a man wrestled with Jacob till daybreak. That's interesting because it says a man. If you read a few more verses ahead, you will find out that later on, Jacob calls this moment the fact that he saw God face to face. So, that sounds confusing. How is he meeting a man, and yet later on he says, I saw God face to face. I submit to you, this is the moment when Jacob met Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. Theologians refer to this as the hypostatic union. What happened that day is Jacob was left alone and he had to wrestle some things out with Jesus. I'm here to tell you there are going to be times in your Christian walk where you'll be all alone. Where your husband and your wife will not be there. Where your kids will not be there. Where your pastor will not be there. Where your godly friends will not be there. There are times where everything you have trusted in will be pulled away from you and you'll be alone. Can I tell you that these are the moments where we meet our creator. These are the moments where we wrestle out things. These are the moments where God reminds us who he is. And that's exactly what happened with Jacob. Now, I don't know how their conversation went down, but I remember watching this movie in 1997. It was about a disgraced preacher. Robert Duvall starred in it. It was called The Apostle. Now, I won't go into the story of the movie, but I'll tell you what. There's about a one-minute clip that happens in there where he has it out with God. And I'll be honest with you. This reminded me of sometimes the way I've had to pray. Check this out. Hashtag my wife, they stole my church. That's a temple I built for you. And I'm going to yell at you because I'm mad at you. I can't. Take it. Give me a sign or something. Blow this pain out of me. Give it to me tonight, Lord God, Jehovah. If you won't give me back my wife, give me peace. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give me peace. Give me peace. I don't know who's been fooling with me. You are the devil. I don't know. And I won't even bring the human into this. He's just a mutt, so I'm not even going to bring him into it. But I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you. But I'm mad at you. I am mad at you. So deliver me tonight, Lord. What should I do? Now tell me. Should I lay hands on myself? What should I do? I know I'm a sinner and I once in a while, woman, but I'm your servant. Since I was a little boy, you brought me back from the dead. I'm your servant. What should I do? Tell me. I've always called you Jesus. You always called me Sonny. What should I do, Jesus? This is Sonny talking now. Hi. If you've walked with God for a while, you might have had one or two of those conversations. When I read the Psalms and I read what David writes, I see a man that's conflicted at times. I see a man that sometimes is overflowing with the joy of what God is doing in his life. And then I see other times where he's saying, God, why have you forgotten about me? 
When I read about Jesus before he went to the cross, where it talks about he was so in anguish of what was going to happen, he sweated drops of blood, and he prayed, take this away, and yet he said, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes we have to wrestle things out with God. And I don't say this from like some superfluous, esoteric kind of way. I say this because this is exactly what happened to me a month ago. Uh, for those that do know or don't know, I am a Florida boy, very proud. Born in Miami, grew up in Tampa. There's only like three of us in the entire state. <laughs> that, there they are, they're right there. The rest of y'all live here for a year, claim our town. Yeah, you come our state. You're lying, either way. Sorry, that was, that was uncalled for. The point what I'm trying to get at is I'm a Florida boy. All I've known my whole life, I didn't see snow until I was 21. My whole life has been about being around people and never being isolated and warmth. Okay, I'm a Florida kid. I know that Publix has the greatest subs ever. <laughs> also, know if you're ever chased by a gator, run zigzag. They have tiny arms. Anyway, that's just a little <laughs> special nugget. You're welcome. But every summer, for almost all of my adolescence, I would go all the way up to North Michigan. And we would stay on this island out in the middle of, an, of, of a lake. It was called Higgins Lake. My grandfather had owned a little cabin out there. It was an incredible, incredible thing to do as a kid. It was something that was like my escape, okay? I went up there a month ago. I went up there because God has been dealing with me in a lot of years. For 20 years, I've done Christian hip-hop. That's been my full-time job. I know that sounds crazy, but hey, that's what I've done. But I'll be honest with you, God's been dealing with me. And he's been showing me that, you know what, this is starting to come to an end because I'm going to start to bring something new in your life. He's starting to move me back into the church ministry again. I'm so excited about that. But I'll tell you what, you do anything for 20 years, it's hard to let it go. And I went up there to write my last KJ52 album and to write my last KJ52 book. So I get over there up to the island. It's October. It's freezing. There's nobody on the lake. I have not driven a boat in 30 years, people. I jump in this pontoon boat to go over to the island. I get over to the island, and all of a sudden I realize, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. All I knew is I'm here to wrestle some stuff out with God. I'm here to work on this last project of mine. I am here because me and God got to talk about some stuff because I got to figure out what my next move is. So I'm up there. All of a sudden, it just completely changes. And I just want to show you a visual of what I look like at that moment. This right here is a cold boy. That's a cold boy right there. I am freezing to death in that moment on that island, and I'll be honest with you, as soon as the sun went down, I felt like I was trapped in a Stephen King novel <laughs> that hadn't been written yet. It's about a, like a six foot two white guy that does Christian rap, and he gets killed on an island, and the squirrels kill him and eat his body or something like that. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there, and the sun goes down, and the temperature starts to drop, and it starts to rain, and it's so dark that night that I can't even see the stars anymore. And that's just what the weather was like. That's how I felt spiritually. I felt cut off. I felt all alone. I felt like Jacob in that moment. I was all alone. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You find out who your friends are based on who you can call at 11 o'clock when you're stressing. 12 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, I fell asleep full of anxiety full of depression, full of stress, and me and God had been wrestling stuff out all night long. I'll be honest with you, I woke up the next morning, I said, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna watch the sunrise. I got up in that morning and I went down to the same point that I used to stand as a kid, and this is what I saw. I started to time lapse what I saw when that sunrise was. And I'm all alone by myself. And I just remember what a terrible night that night had been. 
And it was almost like the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me just in that moment. And what he was telling me was weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That every day is a reset. That God's mercies are new every morning. That every time that sun comes up, he gives us a second chance to start over. That what happened last night is just that. It's in the past. And I, I don't think I'm just talking to myself here, people. I think some of you have gone through the same thing. As that began to go up, I was flooded with this warmth, and I was the only time I saw the sun the whole day. I'll be honest with you, I was energized. I'm like, let's do this. And I forgot to tell you, the whole reason I was up there was to record, and I had forgotten the microphone back in my car on the mainland. <laughs> I go, no problem, let's go. I jump back in the boat. I go to turn on the key, and the boat won't start. Come on, don't act like you've never been in that situation. You are that close to what you need, and you might as well be a million miles away. I'm literally a bunch of miles away. Their AAA is not coming to pick me up here, people. Okay? I'm not Jesus. I'm not Peter. Not real good at walking on water. I'm stuck on this island. But I'll tell you what. I'm like, I'm a survivor. I make things happen. Ain't nothing going to stop me. I look around. I'm like, how am I going to get across? Certainly the squirrels aren't going to help. I see a canoe. I grab the canoe. I put the canoe. It's like this big. I jump in the canoe. I start paddling across the water like my ancient Sicilian ancestors did to get to America. And I'm paddling. And I'm paddling. And I get halfway through. And I'm like, wait a minute. I could die. What am I doing? It's 40 degrees outside. I'm about to tip this canoe. I can't stop. I'm still paddling. I get over there, I get the microphone, I jump back in the canoe, I go all the way back to the other side. I stood on the dock and just raised it in the air. And all the squirrels applauded. Because <laughs> I had the mic, but I was still stranded. And I felt like God spoke to me right then. He says, you got, got what you wanted, but you don't have what you need. This is where we pick up the text. Because this is what happens to Jacob next. It goes on to say in verse 25, it says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 26 says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob and Jesus are going at it, wrestling all night long. They're dealing with some stuff. And I find it very interesting. It says, the man says to Jacob, let me go. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. This sums up Jacob's relationship with God. This sums up Jacob's relationship with people. He had spent his whole life dying for the affection of his dad. So much so that he would do whatever it took. He would lie, cheat, steal. He would hurt people. All people were to Jacob was, was something that he could use to get to where he wanted to. And he even looked at God that way. God is not a cosmic Santa Claus that you put in the right combination code and out pops what you want. And that's all God wanted Jacob to understand. But Jacob didn't get it. He's like, no, we're going to duke this out until you give me what I want. And guess what God does in this situation? It says he touches Jacob's hip and he wrenches his hip. He wrenches his hip. And I thought, that's kind of weird. What a weird thing to do. The more I dug in it, I realized God sometimes will break us in order to teach us to lean on him. There are times God will break us so that we can't move forward unless he shows up and does a miracle. Keep in mind, he's going to see his brother tomorrow with 400 men armed to the teeth. Do you think he can get away now, now that he's got a broken hip? For the rest of his life, it says that Jacob walked with a limp and that he walked with the staff. And if you really read far ahead, right before Jacob dies... The Bible says that he leaned on his staff and he worshiped. 
His hip was broken to remind him that everything he needed was founded in Jesus. Sometimes God has to break us, unfortunately, to teach us to rely on him. Jacob really didn't understand that. There are times in your life where that will happen to you. But I'm so glad that God lets us wrestle those things out, that he cares about us enough to have this dialogue, to have this conversation. When I woke up that next morning and I tried to get the boat going and it didn't, I said, okay, fine, I'll do what I gotta do. I jump in a boat, I go over there, I got the microphone, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm still stranded, aren't I? How often have we tried to fix our problems in our own power and still wound up stranded? This is where we pick up the text one more time. This is what God says to him. It says right there in verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. God brings Jacob face to face with his own identity. He knows who he is. He knows what his name is. Do you think Jesus was going, I can't remember this guy. What's this guy again? <laughs> Angels, help me out here. What's this guy's name? I'm terrible with names. I'm Jesus, but you know, anyway. No, he knows exactly who he is. What is he trying to get Jacob to say? You need to come clean with who you are. When he says, what's your name? He's saying to Jacob, how do you define yourself? What's his answer? My name is Jacob. My name is deceiver. My name is heel grabber. My name is the guy who wants nothing more than his dad's affection, but I can't get it. My name is the guy who uses people to get ahead. My name is sinner. You see, when we're finally come to the point where we realize that we need him, that's when God rolls up his sleeves and goes, now we can get to work. You've been trying to do it on your own the whole time. Now we can get down to business. This was never more apparent than my own life. You see, the night before, I'm mad at God. I'm like, God, all my shows are gone. I'm not having anything. Nothing's working out with my music anymore. This is what I've done for you faithfully for 20 years. Da, 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 da. I'm having it out. We're having this gripe fest. And I'll be honest with you, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, why are you so upset? I'm upset because you're not provided. He said, no, you're upset because your whole identity is wrapped up in a thing. When KJ52 does good, I feel great. When KJ52 does bad, I feel bad. That's when he reminded me. You're not KJ52, you're Jonah. You're Jonah, because Jesus died for Jonah. Jesus died to give Jonah life. Jesus died to give Jonah identity. Jesus died so that I could be changed, and that's what happened to my life at 15 years old. That's what changed everything. And this is exactly where we find the final part of our text. It says right here, verse 28, the man said, you will no longer be Jacob, but you will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. I just want to share with you a statement that I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day. You are not defined by your job. You are not defined by your money. You are not defined by your car. You are not defined by your family or lack of. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your future or your mistakes, but if you are in Christ, you are defined by Jesus. I'm so glad to know that today. I love in that moment, after Jacob spends the whole night wrestling it out with God, Jesus finally brings him to the point of saying, who are you? You know what I am? I'm a deceiver. Have mercy on me for I'm a sinner. He comes face to face with who he is. And I believe God does the same thing with us. He, he says, who are you? Who do you think you are? Not in a way to condemn us, but just to tell us that we have placed a trust in so many things outside of what we needed to. 
And for some of us, that might be our job. For some of us, that might be our family. For some of us, we are defined by our mistakes. Some of us are we're defined by our incredible successes. None of those mean anything unless Jesus is at the center of it. And I love what he does there. He gives Jacob a new name. He says, you've been called deceiver. You've been called heel grabber. From here on out, you will be called Israel. Israel, that's how you would say it. Because what that means, it says you have contended with God. You have fought with God. You have fought with other people, and you have overcome. What he's telling him is tonight, we have been duking this out all night long. I've been trying to make you understand who I am. I've been trying to show you what I can do in your life. And you have fought. We have wrestled this out. And from here on out, you might be broken. He goes, but you're healed. Now, where does my story end? I forgot to tell you, I was still stranded on the island, okay? At some point, I was like, maybe I could live like Bear Grylls and just like eat squirrels for a living or something. And I'm sitting there, and I'll be honest with you, I had reached that point where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I had spent the morning, and I couldn't record anything, and, and there's just a thousand things going through my mind, and I'm trying to figure out how to get off this island, and I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget, I walked over to the boat, I plopped down for like the fifth time onto that seat, and I looked at the boat, and I just stuck the key in one more time, and I'll be honest with you, out of pure frustration and anger, I grabbed the boat throttle, and I shoved it down as hard as I could, and all of a sudden, it just goes thunk. Now, if anybody knows boats, you know what just happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the deal. I found out that day, which I had already known, boats do not start unless they're in neutral. Don't clap. Please don't clap. <laughs> the squirrels didn't clap. I sat there for 24 hours, frustrated at God, frustrated at man, angry at a pontoon boat, laying my hands onto the boat. Lord Jesus, heal this pontoon boat. The whole time, I just didn't have it in neutral. And when I felt it go into neutral, I'm like, oh, like half of me is like, dear God, let the boat start. And the other half, I'm like, please don't let the boat start. I feel really stupid right now. Sure enough, I put the key in turn the engine boat starts right away and I just sat there with the engine running and I just held my head in my hands and it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me going this is your life right now this is other people's lives right now many of us want to move forward don't we we want to move forward we want to get to a place we want to make something happen and we're just sitting there and nothing seems to work and we're frustrated many of us want to run away we want to throw that thing into reverse and just hide out in isolation. We're becoming a generation of isolated people. We're so connected and so disconnected simultaneously. Isn't that weird? And what is he telling you and me right here, right now? He's saying, if you would just stop, I could take you wherever you want to go. Holy Spirit spoke to me right then. He said, you know what? Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted in the heavens. All things do work out for the good. God said, you are trying to make things happen so much on your own, that's why you're mad. You are trying to move forward, that's why you're mad. If you would just stop, let me make it happen, you'll have a great story to tell Cape Christian in a month. <laughs> but this is how we're going to end. It's an incredible song. It's called Peace Be Still. If you are going through stuff today, I would encourage you to worship through your pain. I would encourage you to be able to stop and reflect. I would encourage you to be able to surrender during this amazing song. Let's do that.
want to stay seated, you can. If you want to stand, you can. This is just about taking a moment to reflect on what God is showing you right now.
Aren't you glad that he brings that peace over you? Aren't you glad? Come on now. You can't clap unless you've been through it. And if you're going through it, you're going to get through it. We just want to encourage you. We have a prayer room right off here to the side. If you need to talk or pray further with somebody, it's open. We would love to walk through you, walk with you through whatever you're dealing with. Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're there. Thank you that you tell us to stop so you can move us forward. Thank you, God, that we're not alone in our situations. Thank you that we get to wrestle things out with you, and you love us enough to do that. Help us to understand that truth just like Jacob did. Help us to walk out changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with God. Have an amazing Sunday. Love you guys. God bless you all.